let me explain to you what it is that we are doing so I can go ahead and jump right into this because it's eight o'clock. Um, this is um, this is me uh, being led by the Lord and what it is that I am doing. Um, it's really going to be a school of the unorthodox. Um, typically at each meeting, I will set the date for the next meeting. Um, and so uh, um, and I will be putting up these teachings online. I'm going to create a separate leadership tab. Um, at first I wasn't, but then I started just thinking and I said there are a lot of ministers and pastors that are uh, uh, actually following us, learning from us, etc. Um, as well as there are some people that have just justifiable reasons why they cannot be here. And so I don't want to uh, penalize. But if you are supposed to be here, you should be here. Because let me tell you something, when it comes to this topic right here, the Lord looks at your heart. Um, he looks at your heart. If you could not be here for real, there will be grace given because you could not be here. But if you could be here and you decided to do something else, there is no grace that is given for that. You just end up losing out. So you have to be very, very, very careful in regards to that. So, you know, how I many, some of you know, some of you have been to Bible schools before. Some of you have been in training seminars, etc. Some of you have been to even secular school. One of the things that you realize is that, not in all cases, but in most cases, you know, when you go to school, sometimes up to 90% of the information that is shared is useless when it comes to life. Completely useless. And then the other 10%, 5%, in some cases, a 0% is what you use for real life. Well, unfortunately, that's how a lot of Bible schools are. Um, um, you know, do I have to do a comparison to show you for you all that may be a little bit newer. The difference between our ministry and most others is most other ministries, even though they're nice guys, they could be called, etc. How they build their ministries is if I'm the pastor, my floor is your ceiling. So with that, they tell you that they're preaching the kingdom, but they're not. They're actually preaching their kingdom. My kingdom come. I have to use you to build my platform so that I can look good in the public's eye. So in, in true kingdom ministry, y'all, is the reason why the Bible says that Jesus is the cornerstone. You know why? He, he's the one that was started first, and so everything is built upon his shoulders. And so our leadership style, which is the scriptural type, which you very rarely see, by the way, is, and that is, um, if I'm the pastor, our ceiling is your floor. Why? Because the pastor is supposed to be like this, and everybody is standing on his shoulders. In most cases, and a lot of good pastors, they don't even know they're doing this. In most cases, is the pastor is standing on your shoulders. He's building his ministry on top of you. And that's why you can be at a church for 30 years and you haven't gone anywhere. Okay, and people are so disconnected nowadays. And so that's the improper leadership style. Jesus is the foundation and the example of raw ministry. He told the disciples, I am the building block. You stand on my shoulders and because of it, when I'm done with you, you will be able to do greater. Most places, I have rarely been to a place where the assistant ministers are on the same level as the pastor. Rarely. There's something wrong with that. Because how many of you know Jesus' disciples could do everything he did? So if they could do everything he did, how come the ministerial staff can't do everything the pastor can do? Many times the staff, the, the ministerial staff, they just fill in while the pastor is on vacation. Make sure you don't take it too high because they're going to be looking at you instead of me. Y'all follow me, I'm saying? And this is a huge problem. And so with this, what we're doing is we're getting rid of all of that other 90% fluff. I mean, know that when Jesus trained the disciples, they weren't in no Bible school for two years. 
three years, getting certificates and taking tests and, and writing theories and all that type of stuff. None of that, okay? Why? Because Jesus knew all that stuff didn't have anything to do with life. He said, I came to give you life. So all that stuff doesn't work in life, okay? It works in theory. And so the things that we are doing here is this is not going to be a regular Bible school, definitely not accredited. This is me giving you the core life principles that you need in order to determine where you are supposed to go with your calling, your ministry, um, etc. So, you know, we are uh, we're going to float around for about 50, 55 minutes. We're going to float around. I cannot cover everything today. Again, we'll be doing another one next month, probably on May 11th. I know there's Mother's Day weekend, but the kingdom of God does not recognize holidays. You have to do things based on how you're supposed to do certain things. I mean, you know, in a war, they don't take time off because it's your birthday. Okay? So I'm not saying we won't do anything. I'm just saying it's just we're having a meeting from 8 to 9. So there are a lot of things that we'll be doing that sometimes will fall on holidays, different things like that, and birthdays, etc., special occasions. And so but I understand, so your mama may have a special event, I understand, okay? But it's from 8 to 9 that Saturday. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to just float around, and uh, the notes will be put up online. Y'all looking scared. And, uh, and, but I do encourage you to maybe have a pen or a pad, etc., because the Lord may speak to you about something. So, all right, y'all ready? So I do have some statements that I will read because I don't want to get, y'all know me, I can get way off track. Next thing you know, I'll be sitting next to my wife preaching at the screen and yeah, I can get off. I'm going to drink this well cheese because I did not have any water this morning. So I need something a little tangy. Y'all know what I'm saying. All righty. <clears throat> so the first statement I want to kind of put you in the frame of mind and we're going to float around with about three, four different uh, um, angles here. First one is there is nothing you have ever imagined or thought up about your life ministry or business that God would take into account if he switched places with you. Okay. So that's the first thing is that, cause I got to put you in the frame of mind that if God switched places with you, it is most likely true that how you carry yourself in every single area as a husband, as a wife, as a single person, as an employee, as a business owner, as a servant, as a volunteer, as a minister, pastor, whatever it is, it is most likely that God would uh, do everything possibly 100%. How many of you know? What's very interesting about Jesus' staff is that they were all professionals. They were all professionals, okay? And, and so he went, because he, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Jesus went after folk that had a good work ethic. Um, um, and so that's why they were all professionals. But even though he went after professionals and he brought them on his team, thank you, brought them on his team, um, he didn't ask them any questions about their profession in order to help him with his ministry. Even though all he was was a carpenter. He didn't need the doctor's advice. He didn't need the lawyer's advice. He didn't need the treasurer's advice. He didn't need the advice of the guys who had their own business and left their business in the hands of servants. He did not need their advice because he was operating from a completely different realm. So Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it will always end in death, okay? So there's always a path that seems right, but it'll end in death. Proverbs 21, two, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. 
That's very, very important when it comes to ministry callings and giftings and promotion, stuff that has for you is based on your heart. It's not really based on too many other things. It's based on your heart. But how many know we all think we that in a bag of chips? How many of you know you might be an old bag of Doritos that's been sitting around on the table for the last 15 years? That's the truth, okay? So I just, uh, someone just gave, uh, I just, it's just funny, something just triggered in my mind. Somebody had a dream and they go to a particular church and this couple is normally very neat, very orderly, very clean. <laughs> I'm telling somebody's dream, but they're okay, you'll never know who it is. No, very clean, orderly. But in the dream, this person was in their house and, and the pastors, they were very clean, they were very dirty, dishes undone, house nasty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, because, so that's a dream of the Lord is showing you the condition of the pastor's heart. Regardless of how he look, makes his, how I many you know atheists keep their homes clean? That doesn't mean anything, okay? And so, uh, so that's what those things are. So we always think we seem right in our own eyes. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could even imagine. Okay. So my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay. So based on that scripture alone, get everything out of your head about what you think ministry is, as well as what you have been taught, as well as what you have been seeing, because most of it is completely wrong. It may not seem like it's wrong because God will use whatever you give him. If you give him a piece of dust, he'll maximize that dust as much as he can into a mountain. But in scripture, how many know it says people are going to say to the Lord, hey, we did a whole bunch of good works in your name. We prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name. And then he's going to say, well, I know who you are. OK, so because somebody has numbers doesn't mean they're in the will of God, because a church having numbers doesn't mean anything. How many of you know Farrakhan can come to Atlanta and fill a stadium? Okay, so numbers don't, people go to concerts, they go to clubs, they, they go to all type of stuff. Numbers don't mean anything because 90% of the people in the planet are sheep. They are going to follow something. Okay, Ku Klux Klan got numbers. The Black Hebrew movement has numbers. Everybody got numbers. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so, so I'm, I'm trying to put you in the frame of mind to kind of trigger a different mode of thought. Because the problem with being in churches is that what you see is what you think is norm. You think, oh, this is how ministry is supposed to be done. That's why so many people in the beginning thought we were so strange because people left our church. You know what they would tell us? This is not the way you're supposed to do in a church. Based on what? Based on what the scripture says or based on what you have seen? Because if we base it on what scripture says, I'm dead on the mark. But if we base it on church circles, then I'm completely off. So most people have an idea of ministry based on what they saw at their previous church or their previous churches. And that was usually straight up foolishness. <clears throat> OK, so get out of your head, because God said, think about this. When it comes when it when it comes, let's just focus on callings and ministries. When it comes to callings and ministries, there's there's not a thought that's entered your mind that has been correct concerning what our God has for you. And anything that's popped into your imagination concerning what you think God's plan is for your life, you have not come close to starting where God started concerning you. Remember what he said? I know the thoughts that I have concerning you, not of evil, only of good to give you an expected end. 
Okay, so anything that you have thought up, I would have never thought that I would have been an usher at a church. I would have never thought I left my Baptist church and joined other circles. I would have never thought I would have been a campus ministry. Then I, would, I never thought I would have ever gone out of the country to the, one of the biggest churches in the world at that time. Never thought I'd be a minister on the staff of the biggest church in that particular state. Definitely never thought that we would be living outside of Detroit. Never ever imagined that I was going to start something by myself on my own being disconnected from our home church and definitely didn't think about starting anything on a Saturday, had no clue that we would be doing all of the stuff that we're doing, inner healing, deliverance, dreams, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very interesting. Every single thing that I thought was going to happen concerning my ministry, none of it happened. <clears throat> so Hebrews 3.1, let's shift over, start moving over into callings because a lot of people, they, they, some people know they're called. Some people know that God has called them to ministry. Some people are confused. Well, am I supposed to be in ministry and business, ministry or business? Some people, how many of you got stuff floating around? You don't even know what it is. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be, Jesus. I just, I just want to belong. I just want to be someplace. It's, and that's okay. It's very little teaching, you know, in regards to this. Because remember, remember, if I'm interested in making a name for myself, and if I'm interested in building my kingdom, I'm not really concerned about teaching you what God is looking for, for you to fulfill the will of God on your life. I'm only looking for what I'm looking for in you to make sure that I can use you and you don't embarrass me. <clears throat> and it's deep because the scripture says that the religious Pharisees and the scribes kept attacking Jesus out of envy. Who is this young boy sitting up here with all these crowds? Y'all remember in the book of Acts, it says one time Paul and them went to, could have been Peter, they went to a city and they preached. And it says the religious leaders of the temple received them quite well, even encouraged them in the Lord. But they said next weekend when the whole city showed up, they're like, oh, wait a minute now. We didn't know you were going to take their attention from us. And it says then they incited people to riot and attack them. It's always about numbers with these guys. Every time I'm around other pastors, how many numbers you got, Doc? Because they judge each other's based on numbers and not based on impact. I can do more with 10 than most can do with 10,000. Oh, Jesus, I feel it kicking in, y'all. Wherefore, holy brother, in Hebrews 3, 1, King James. Wherefore, holy brother, and partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Jesus Christ. He said, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Every call is a heavenly calling. The calling is an invitation to a particular vocation. That vocation was created in the blueprint laboratories in heaven alongside your destiny. Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 14. I'm sorry. I jumped way ahead. Back up. I probably confused y'all. I'm sorry. Let's back up. I'm not about to mess this up. Let me do this this way. That way I'll stay on point. Let's back up a little bit. Let's go back to Psalm 139.16. I knew I was feeling weird. Psalm 139.16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day even passed. So God doesn't start a thing until it's already done. Always remember that. So God is not in the starters. He's in the finishers. 
And it's a lot of things that he won't let you start until you have finished something else because he doesn't start something until something is already done. And so in this particular case, when it comes to your life, your calling and your ministry, it is already spelled out completely. Every minute detail, every single day of your life is already spelled out. It is already a blueprint. It says this is what Linnea's life is supposed to look like from beginning to end. This is what she is supposed to accomplish. These are the people she's supposed to run into. This is the church she's supposed to be a part of. These are the things that she's supposed to do. That your entire life is completely spelled out. But, so now the rest of your life is you trying to figure out who I, how do I cooperate with what is already written concerning me, okay? And so as you cooperate with what is already finished, with what is already done, with what is already written, that's where your peace will be. That's where your joy will be. That's where your prosperity will be. And so this is the reason why so many people are disconnected. They are part of a church, but they're not part of the heavenly blueprint. Y'all follow me? <clears throat> Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've heard me teach this before that there are three categories of good decisions, three categories of bad decisions. So when it comes to that blueprint that is in heaven concerning your life, it will fall into three areas. There will be, if, if you, you can do things a particular way and God will say, boom, you are in the perfect will of God. That's what a will is. Jesus died and left a blueprint concerning your life and now you're supposed to live in that will the same way someone will leave money for you and you live off that money. Okay, so you can be perfect, Okay, God can look at your life and say, okay, you made some mistakes here, or, you know, but this is good. And then, then he can say, okay, oh, no, you didn't really messed up some stuff, but okay, we'll let you slide. This is acceptable. Okay, who you marry could be acceptable, good, or perfect. The city you live in, good, acceptable, perfect. The ministry, good, acceptable, perfect. So there is leeway here. Y'all understand what I'm saying? There is leeway, but how many know we after the perfect? Okay, let me tell y'all something. Acceptable is the enemy of good, and acceptable and good are both the enemies of perfect. And some people say, that's good enough. No, it's not when it comes to the kingdom. Jesus didn't die for good enough. He died for perfection. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So everything is spelled out, including your ministry. And so Matthew twenty two fourteen. Matthew twenty two fourteen. It says, this is a simple scripture. You've heard this quoted, but it's never explained. Many are called, but few are chosen. I mean, I've heard that before. And, and my question was, that's all wonderful and deep. But God didn't put that in there just to make a blanket statement to sound important. If me, I want you to think about something. Many are called, but very few are picked to operate in what is already finished in heaven. One of the worst things that I heard this week for the third time was, you as a pastor can't tell me anything. I've already been commissioned. Hands have already been laid upon me. Nobody can tell me anything. I don't need to sit in your classes. I don't need to come to your ministry thing. Nobody at your church can tell me anything. I've been there and I've done that. And person thinks that God has given them an okay. The Lord explained to me very simply. She has a familiar spirit. You should be surprised how many ministries are operating under familiar spirit. Demon we just cast out of this girl Wednesday. Y'all missed that. 
actually demonstrated casting out a demon this past Wednesday in front of the audience. They were like, okay. Didn't know it was that real. But when we took the girl in the back, one of the demons that came out said that it came from another church. <laughs> so many are called, let me stay on point, few are chosen. And, uh, and so uh, don't you think that if God put that scripture in there that he would want you to know what are the requirements to getting chose? And it's just like, it's amazing the stuff in the Bible. You're just quoting, but nobody explains it. And so you got people that want to serve God. They like, you know, I was done very, very wrong in that area. I asked a pastor what I need to do in order to make things right. And he refused to tell me. Yeah, he refused to tell me. He refused to tell me. Let me say something. In this stage of the ministry, we'll be sharing things a little bit more. It's not for the purpose. I won't be naming people and stuff like that. But there are some things that you all have to recognize and the people that are a part of us have to recognize. Otherwise, you'll make the same mistakes. And you'll, you, there are things in your past that must be explained or it's a door for the enemy to keep you confused. And if it's never explained what that man or woman of God did to you, if it's never explained, you may still believe that what they did was correct concerning you when actually it might have been wicked. Hey, many are called, few are chosen. But so let me do this two different ways. Let me explain a couple of things here. There is no one on planet Earth who had a, because this is humility. The, the, the number one thing in ministry is your, in, in your in calling or period in life. God promoting you, whatever it is, business, is this right here, your humility. And you don't start out in full humility. You learn it as you keep going. Jesus was perfect, and the Bible says he had to learn humility by the things that he suffered. Now, if Jesus, who is perfect, had to learn humility, who are you? <laughs> Jesus is still learning, but nobody can tell you anything. And it's sad because we've been watching that for years and our Lord always shows me what's going to happen. Never been wrong. There are certain things my wife would tell you, yeah, if he's on, he's on. But if he off, he just is off as a three headed demon. He just, woo, he messed that up. He says, Santa Claus wears purple. And that's not true. So, but uh, whatever. Um, so these are some humility points for you to understand because I want you to see that men that are greater than us messed up. Abraham, I'm sorry, there is no one on planet Earth who had a closer relationship with God than Adam. Yet Satan still tricked him out of his entire destiny very fast. Adam is the only man that God gave everything up front and he still failed. So now God tests his other sons and daughters in phases and on levels. Okay? There's no person in this room. There's no person on planet Earth that ever had a closer relationship with God than Adam. Adam didn't pray. He didn't read a word. The Bible says God came down and walked with Adam in the garden. They just talked and chilled. He had a very close relationship with God. It did not matter how close his relationship with God was when it came to pride. Satan still was able to trick him. Moses was the meekest man in the entire planet, yet made a mistake so drastic he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Solomon gave an offering to God so big that God visited him and said, I'll give you anything you ask for. He asked for a wise and understanding heart. Yet after God gave it to him, 
he made unwise decisions by marrying 700 women and 300 side chicks. Solomon went from giving God praise and glory and huge amount of wealth and offering and worshiping in the temple. He went from that to having a thousand women and then worshiping the devil and then saying things like this, vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. Why? That's the reason why he said that. Because the scripture says that all of those women turned his heart away from the Lord. So you see with Adam, he was deceived by the devil. Moses, though he was meek, let people take him there. And Solomon got caught up in lust. I'm just explaining to you that, that no matter what level you think you are on, you can be taken down easily if you are not sober and alert. Saul seemed like a humble man until they made him king. When you go back and read the story of Saul, it says when it came time to make him king, it says that Saul was hiding in the back in a tent. That's typically not what you would think would be the attitude of a prideful man. He doesn't even want to be king. He doesn't even want the position until they gave it to him. Then he flipped and went from being a king to a monster. Judas was a part of Jesus' inner circle, ministerial staff, and even handled everybody's money but became so corrupt, he actually negotiated the sale of Jesus. How much will you give me for him? Watching this dude walk on water, watching this guy raise people from the dead, watching this guy turn leprosy to healing, watching this guy touch people get healed. Didn't matter how many miracles you saw, folk. Your amount of miracles you see don't determine if you will make it to the end. I mean, you know, folk ain't... Jesus Christ appeared to Kenneth Hagin years ago in an open vision, and, and he shared something that I never, never forgot. Um, and he said, he told Kenneth Hagin, he said, most ministers don't even get through the first phase of their ministry before they die. Okay? Now, the Bible already says many are called, very few are picked. Okay? But the ones that are picked, very few of them make it to the end. And so, 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 because this is, y'all, let me say something. To fulfill your calling, it will be, this is going to sound strange, it will be easier for you to become president of the United States than it would be for you to fulfill your calling. It is not easy. It is difficult. That's why the Bible says endure hardness like a good shoulder. Okay, it's a price that you have to be, I mean, you got to fight against the gates of hell in order, you got, I mean, in order to accomplish the will of God on your life, you got to fight against God's enemy that's so arrogant, he tried to bring him off the throne. He tried to bring your father off the throne and you think he's going to let you establish yours? Okay, so ministries are in phases and most men don't get to even the first phase. Okay, this ministry right now is in its second phase. Okay, the first phase was about seven years. When that phase was over, that's the reason why something happened to me. That was the grace for the next phase. It was ordained for me to be in Nigeria, connect to Bishop Oyedipo. It's also a reason why when I came back from Nigeria, because we're in the second phase, the Holy Spirit then spoke to me about opening up the prayer line. Why? Building for the next phase. Okay, we pray on the prayer line. We were on there yesterday. I mean, I don't know how long we were on there yesterday. I think I got off at 9 or 10. I don't know what time I got off. I think I prayed for two hours. <laughs> 
I got on, he was already going. I got off, he was still going. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just establishing these things. You know, it's not a coincidence that now in the second phase, because the first phase is the foundation, now we build. So it's not a coincidence the Lord has on us doing ministry school, business, y'all know what I mean by school. Ministry school, business school, prophetic school, healing school, small groups. I got to write down, yeah, inner healing and deliverance. I got to write all this stuff down. <laughs> And so we're in the second phase. Hey, um, you will not make it to the end because you want to. And you will not make it because you try. You will only make it if you understand the rules and follow them fully. It does not matter if you are the fastest or strongest runner in a competition. If you don't run according to the rules, you will be disqualified. So all these statements that I hear, I don't need this. I don't need to come to church. I don't need to do that. You can't tell me anything. And, and, and people that do this, they always have strong giftings. They have great revelation of the word. They might even be able to cast out demons. Okay? Don't realize that they have disqualified themselves because they're breaking the rules. How many of you know God is not impressed by your revelation? You got it from his words. He's not impressed with your ability to cast out a demon. You're using it through his son's name. He's not impressed the fact that you can build a church. Because he's the one who adds to a daily such that should be saved. God is not impressed with what we are impressed with. What God is impressed with is humility and love and sacrifice because those are three things that he can't give you. You have to develop them on your own. I mean, God removed his grace for me for pastoring. I might last two weeks. That's not a and, and And at the level that we are at, if the God removed the grace for pastoring me, I could probably be dead in a month. Because, y'all, I mean, because of what, y'all have no idea what we are always just holding back. We're so used to it, we don't even know it. That's why people start getting scared of us. Because they're like, this, man, what are y'all doing? Okay. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7, 830. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers, uh, let me tell you this. We're gonna look. We're gonna read this as phase one, phase two, and phase three, and then we're all gonna look at it a different way. Phase one: Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. How many know the officer that enlisted us is Jesus? He said, I enlisted y'all. He said, I'm going upstairs. He said, I did my job for 30 some years and I died on the cross. That was a lot of work. He said, I'm going upstairs to sit next to my heavenly father until my enemies be made my footstool. Your turn. So the first phase is, is that if God calls you to be a soldier in the army of the Lord, not getting caught up in the world because no soldier gets caught up in outside affairs. Why? So I can be dedicated to pleasing the one who called me to service. Verse five. Athletes, this is the second phase, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. It's wonderful that you are the fastest runner on the team. But how many of you know, if you take off before that guns go off, disqualified. How many know if you're supposed to stay in lane two and you merge over to lane three, disqualified. It does not matter how many trophies you got in the past. Doesn't matter that you have broken world records. You were disqualified because you broke the rules. The scripture says God's rules are not difficult. Just takes making a decision. How many know? Wonderful thing about our God is God with God is with God. You don't just you don't get disqualified because you broke the rule with God. You get disqualified because you keep on breaking the rules and you won't stop breaking them. That's the difference. Y'all with me? 
I'm sorry. Y'all with me? Yes. Had to put an H on the end of that T. <laughs> uh, Ebonics 101. Third one, hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruits of the labor. Think about what I'm saying, and the Lord will help you understand these things, which means there's more revelation here than what you read. First is the law of progression. You start out by being committed as a soldier so that you can please him. As a result of you desiring to please him, he will then begin to lay out the rules that you need to abide by in order to please him. And as a result of doing those first two things, prosperity is going to come into your life and every farmer has a right to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Those are also the three things that you will find that you must master in a calling as a Christian and in a ministry. You must master being a good soldier and all of the principles surrounding that. You must master being a good athlete and all the principles concerning that. And you must master being a good farmer and all of the principles concerning that. Those are the three things that you must learn in ministry. All ministries are centered around farming, a soldier, and an athlete. <clears throat> Anybody can preach. Even the Bible says we can all prophesy. Gifting and talent comes a dime a dozen, but very few follow the rules. I'm still just playing, y'all. <laughs> there will be a time in the future that we will then have a platform for deeper stuff. That won't be shared publicly. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. I'm doing real good this morning. I just... <clears throat> so we're going to start explaining callings. Because when I grew up, the only thing that I heard about calling, you know how the guest pastor would come to town? God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. For the perfecting of the saints. That's all you heard. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what you said every time before a guest speaker they got up. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I gotta get rid of the CNN pop-up. If you eat bacon every day, rethink that. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know how that thing started. I must have pressed a button. Okay. First Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. And watch this. Here are some. Everyone say some. some. So this is not all of them. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Now, as I read this, guess how you're going to read it with me? You're going to read it in order of rank. What I read to you is not rank. What I read to you is order of purpose. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then those who do miracles. Then those who have the gift of healing. Then those who can help others. It's called the ministry of helps. That's an actual ministry. When you're on the choir, the worship team, if you play an instrument, you usher children's church, that's an actual calling that God values the same as the pastor. It's called the ministry of helps. People don't think they're in a the ministry until you up here. Those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership. Okay. That can be elders. That can be leaders. That can be individuals over departments. That's small group leaders. All of those things. Gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages. Now, let's backtrack here because everybody has always thought that this was rank. 
especially an apostle, man, they come in with them special hats on and them apostle rings and them robes, man, and them canes. You know, man, there are some apostles, man, when they come to service, they have their ushers carry them in on a chair. I can guarantee you, if y'all see me coming here on a chair, y'all gonna be like, what is wrong with you? Self-exaltation. I need to look deep. You ain't no more deeper than the guy that's cleaning the toilets right now. And the truth be told, the guy cleaning the toilets is probably going to get a better reward than you. It's easy to preach. It's hard to sacrifice and do the dirty work and you don't get appreciated for it. And God is watching that and taking notes like Santa Claus. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Okay, so I'm going to show you the rank here. Now, I am an apostle. I don't tell people that because it's not that deep. Uh, uh, Y'all, the reason why there are no apostles in the Old Testament is because the Old Testament, when it came to something new, God had to establish apostles. Because apostles, let me give it to you in a simple version. Apostles are simply individuals who start new and fresh works for the kingdom of God. And it comes with signs following. That's what an apostle is. So now you understand why he has to be first. Not most important. We got to use somebody to start this thing. That's why I said first apostles. Okay, well, he starts it. Well, guess what? The Bible says, declare a thing and it will be established. Write the vision and makes it plain. Well, guess what? Okay, along with the apostles, now that it started, we got to have some prophets who can see and determine where we're supposed to be going and show where the enemy is coming from and they got to prophesy and declare what's going to happen in the future. That's why Lisa showed up a few months after we opened. And then Devon and Violet showed up prophets they declare I mean no we want we, we, we put the ship on the water we don't know where we're going now okay and the Lord might have gave the captain the direction but the captain needs encouragement because watch this if the Lord revert if the Lord reserved something for the prophet to say he won't give it to the apostle because it's supposed to be unity it's supposed to submit one to another so if I refuse to listen to her, he ain't going to give it to me because I refuse to listen to her. You just missed it and you're going to wonder why you hit rocks. So all of that prophesying, all of the clan, well, guess what? The church is going to start growing. So guess what? You got to have, have some teaching. That's why the teaching is third. I've pretty much been the main teacher. But we've also had other people doing small teaching, but now we're establishing others. There will be others who will be teaching along with me now. Okay. And then as a result of that, how I many you know when you teach people how to get results? Well, guess what should follow? manifestation so that's why I said fourthly miracles then those who have the gift of healing then how many know church start growing guess what we need some help y'all see how simple this is and then even with the help because the numbers in greed now you got to have other leaderships and those who are gifted to lead so this is order of purpose an order of progression, not order of rank. Romans 12, 6. Mm. Let me speed this up. 6 through 18. Ooh, it's going to be some people mad at me. Let them be mad because I'm going to still be blessed. Jesus, I mean, oh, God, man. Ooh, okay. Romans 12, 6 through 18. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. These are also callings and gifts. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
So some people, that's their calling. They're called to prophesy, declare things. Prophesy over people, prophesy over nations, prophesy over whatever. <laughs> if your gift is serving others, ministry of helps. Serve them well. Don't, don't be serving, and we don't know where, we don't know if you're coming. We don't know when you're leaving. Get here at the last moment. Cancel over any little small thing. It says serve well. It's called being faithful. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. There are some, why do you think that every time somebody crying, it's always one person in the congregation? We didn't ask them to do that. Guess what they're doing? They're going to get the tissue box. That's somebody that got a gift of compassion and encouragement. They're always patting you on the back. It might get on your nerves, but you still need it. You appreciate it. How <laughs> I many know? Oh, the love you give your kids, it gets on their nerve, but if it stops, they got an attitude. Mm. I mean, I'm just brush stroking this to give you, to open up your minds a little bit. You know, I mean, or, or basically after a year, you'll be ready. I mean, you'll be a heavyweight kind of in this area of understanding. If it is giving, give generously. There's some people that they're called to give. They are called to make money. And they are, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There's some people, they have a gift for showing kindness. They're, man, they'll let Freddy Krueger live in their house if they, if they need be, you know what I'm saying? He need a place to live to. I know he got some claws and he killed about 30 million people, but, but, but I, I don't think he's going to do that to me. I mean, how many know, you got some grandmamas, they still, they give their last $5 over and over and over and over and over again. You would have stopped that 20 years ago. They have a gift of kindness. Now, all of us are supposed to be kind, but their gift is higher than yours. Do it gladly. Don't, and then let me tell you this. When it comes to any calling, when it comes to anything, this is what God is looking at. I don't have time to teach on it. I just have time to read it. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Amen. Hate what is wrong. See, each one of these attention. Don't pretend to love others. Be for real. Really love them. And you got to find out what that means. Hate what is wrong. When you hate what is wrong, you don't fool with it. You don't listen to it. You don't dance with it. You don't try to get close to it. So many Christians are still trying to be close to sin so they can be relevant. I don't need to be relevant. I need to be wrong, according to their standard. Excuse me. Let me pull up here. Um, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly, not loosely, to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. That's a big problem in the body of Christ. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I always say, quit coming to church late. You shouldn't even be here on time. You should be here. Early. My wife and I, we have never been late to church, period. I mean, I've been, people have invited us to their birthday parties. We got six kids. Why are we the first ones there? And we on time. Got to reserve the table for them because they ain't even there. How many of you want God to be on time for you? Amen. We only want him to be on time because, you know, his, God's on time is our version of late. <laughs> Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Ooh, ooh. That'll determine whether or not God promotes you. Can you be patient when you're going through? Keep on praying. Did you stop or are you continuing? When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. 
Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Most people don't pray. When people read that scripture, what they do is they, they don't pray for their enemies. They just go silent. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I'm just being honest with you. People who do me wrong, I mean, I have to really sometimes think about it. The Bible didn't say just ignore them and go silent and don't say anything. He said pray for them. I mean, it ain't always easy. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those that weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. <laughs> and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's something that you should be reading at least once a week. You need to memorize it. You need to get into it because every single last one of those points is how you'll be judged when you stand before God. And those are the things that are looking for because you're going to have to deal with all of that stuff when you start getting promoted and dealing with people. Okay. I, 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 sometimes I'm, I can't do it without grace because just the people on the front row each represent their own set of problems, their own personality. So when I got to deal with each individual, I'm dealing with this person depressed, this person is mad, this person is offended, this person got a demon, this person is, you know what I'm saying? And it, it, it's your mind is all over the place. If you're not walking in love and practicing these things, these people will make, I always joke, these people will make you join a Buddhist temple dressed like a Muslim. In most cases, oh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. I got 15, 20 minutes left. Let me see how much. Oh, I'm good. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, come on, man. Is this helping y'all? 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in this world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chooses things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. When I was overseas, I heard something that just really struck a chord with me. Bishop Oyipo, he stood right in front of me. He said, you were chosen because you were weak, not because you were strong. 90% of the time, God does not choose the strong. He chooses the weak. He must be, he wants to get glory. He has to prove that you can come from a broken home and still end up being something in society. He has to prove that even though you went to jail for murder, he can still use you to bring life to people. He has to prove that even though you got a divorce, he has not left you and he will still bless you and increase you. He has to prove that even though you have a GED, by the time he's done with you, they'll give you an honorable PhD. He has to prove this type of stuff. He's not looking for strong folk. He's looking for weak. It is the very thing that you have used to disqualify yourself that God qualifies you with. It is your qualifications that he disqualifies and it is things you have determined that are disqualifications. He said, no, that's the reason I'm going to use you because I can use anything, including a donkey. Understand what I'm saying? God does not get glory by your professionalism. Or, uh, let me stop. God does not get glory. That's wrong. God does not get glory in your intellect and how good you look and because that don't impress the world they need to see love they need to know that you came out of something sometimes 
and, and that if the Lord brought you out, then he'll bring me out. Y'all understand what I'm saying? God need to understand. Here. I mean, you, I mean, then. So in most cases, not all. Okay. And, and so in the Bible, you don't see God picking strong people. You see him picking weak people. Okay. So, so, so everything that you have used to disqualify yourself, you're a stay at home mom and you, you don't have a degree and you don't have a whole lot of money and I'm male, I'm female, I'm, I got issues and I, I, everybody in the Bible except Jesus had issues and Jesus even came close himself on a couple of occasions. He did some stuff that was unnecessary in my personal opinion. He had to go beating people out the temple, ask them to leave first. <laughs> everybody got issues. And so, and so unfortunately what has been created in ministry is this image of you got to be perfect in order to be used by God. <laughs> I'm sorry, folk. That ain't nowhere in the Bible. Okay. And there are some people in here right now. You have to get rid of your guilt from past mistakes and sins. You got to get rid of that because the enemy will. Y'all, let me ask yourself. Uh, watch this. Okay. There is no one in this room that ever has or ever will sin to the magnitude of Adam. You guilty because of something you did wrong. You guilty because of somebody you did wrong. You guilty because of past sins that God has forgiven you of. How would you like to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and you recognize that you are the first man and the decision that you made did not corrupt every person. It corrupted every animal and person. Every leaf, every tree, the air, everything is off course. Adam had to watch the planet. For 930 years, Adam lived. He had to watch and deal with the guilt of watching the planet die around him. He had to watch Cain kill Abel. He had to watch the ramifications of his decisions. He had to watch the animals go from being vegetarians to eating each other. He had to watch that every single day for 930 years. So don't say anything to me about your guilt and you feeling bad. Let that go. Abraham. Y'all do realize that Adam is in heaven. God forgave him. Now, how can you, you God is going to forgive a man every, we're not, the only reason we're having this conversation is because of what he did. The only reason we got to cast our demons, the only reason why we got a Bible, the only reason we got to, all of this stuff exists because Adam messed up everything. God forgave him of the whole planet. He ain't going to forgive you of what you did. I mean, look, look at Abraham. God told Abraham, I know you're old, but you and your wife, you're going to have a baby. The way I determine. Abraham's wife came up with a different idea. That's not what God meant. We too old. What he meant was for you to go sleep with my servant girl. Adam went and did it, produced another child, which is the Arab race today. God told Abraham, because of what you did, he said those two individuals, Isaac and Ishmael, he said they will war for the rest of their life. Now, I want you to think about something. I hope no one takes this the wrong way. Somebody could twist this. There would be no such thing as the Arab race if Abraham had not committed that sin. Iran would not exist. Iraq would not exist. Saudi Arabia would not exist. Those nations would be filled with Israelis. A whole nation exists that God didn't plan on being here. Ooh, Jesus, I got to be careful. I might have to cut that one out. A whole nation exists that God did not plan on being here. A whole race of people exists that God did not plan on being here. Why? Because Adam decided to, I'm sorry, Abraham, 
but yet God still called him the father of faith. Why? He had to get over the guilt of his mistake. I mean, I don't think it's anybody in here. I mean, you might, you mean, I don't think it's anybody in here that committed adultery and killed the person. David did that. Okay. David saw the girl. He was supposed to be at war, saw the girl, slept with her, got her pregnant, and then killed the husband and then married the girl. Okay. But so, so David had to get over the guilt of he got stupid one time. He had to get over that. And because he got over it, God called Abraham, the father of faith, called David, a man after my own heart. Got Paul. Paul had to live under the guilt that, yeah, I'm saved now, but I got to live under the guilt of I used to kill and persecute Christians. That's what I did for a lifestyle all day long, eight to 12 hours a day. That's what I did. I was there when they I was holding the, the, the coats for the individual that stoned Stephen. He had to get over that guilt. You got to get over your guilt. If those men who have done bigger, in our minds, sins than we have, they had to get over their guilt and God still used them and then called them great and then used them as an example for us to even learn and follow from. That's why Paul said, he said, man, when it comes to all of this Christianity stuff, he said, it's not, I haven't perfected everything. He said, but it's one that I had to perfect. He said, I had to let go of the past, press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus didn't die for me to focus on past. Jesus took the guilt so I wouldn't have to take it. it the devil will use anything he can to disqualify you. And then quit worrying about your age. I'm too young. Wrong. I'm middle-aged. Wrong. I'm too old. Wrong. King Ozai was 16. Jesus was 30. Moses was 80. Joshua started serving the ministry in 40 and then jumped out there at 80. God was using everybody. It is not your age that determines when you are ready. It is your pride that determines that. <clears throat> God does not reject you because you are too young or too old. He rejects you because you are too prideful. Remember that. Okay. That's what they, they didn't recognize Jesus. Why do you think that the scribes, they said, ain't this Mary's boy? That's so all they saw Jesus was a boy because he was 30. And then just so you know, in ministry, that's changing now a little bit. But for all these years in ministry, they didn't consider you really, really serious to be used by God until you were like around 50. What was what, 40s, 50s, think about it. Yeah, they, they, otherwise you were a boy. That's why they called Jesus. Ain't this Mary's boy, carpenter, single guy, no religious training, carpenter, no kids, not married. It's a boy. Got upset by a boy. Running circles around 80-year-old men. Luke 16, 12. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Okay? Right now, your first calling is to sow seed so that when you get yours, you will reap the type of person you were in another man's ministry. Now, I saw this play out. I had a young man that was with me. He would always show up late. Show up late. I told him, stop showing up late. We're getting ready to use him as a minister. Show up late, show up late, show up late, show up late. I said, look, stop showing up late. You're going to reap this. Stop showing up late. Okay, I believe he was called to go out there and start a church. We told him, I think it's a wrong decision. He said, no, the Lord gave me dreams. I was going fine. So, you know, I don't believe in controlling people. There are some things that you have to learn that you made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? That's why I have to let people go. So we supported him and everything. Okay, started the church, called me complaining one day. I said, what's wrong? He said, 
He said, for the life of me, I can't figure out why my entire congregation shows up 15 to 20 minutes late every, every weekend. You read what you saw. That's how you served another man. So that's the type of people you're drawing. People always wonder, how you got so many faithful people? Because I was faithful. I was the first one there, last one to leave, sacrificed. I didn't care nothing about what the pastor was preaching or what he was doing. I was serving the Lord. I was there. You didn't have to ask me to do anything. I did it because they had to kick me out the building. I did not care. I would take vacation off just to go serve at the church when it came to conferences. I was a very faithful man. I was, fa and, and, and let me tell you something. In every phase of my faithfulness, I dealt with trauma and persecution. When I was an usher, they were attacking me. When I was a campus minister, they were attacking me. When I was on staff at their church, they were attacking me. When I moved to Atlanta, they were attacking me. They still attacking me. It's not the attacks that stop you. It is your unfaithfulness. It's not what they say. It's your lack of continuance. Yeah, I'm not here because I'm gifted. I'm here because I kept on going. <laughs> so with all of you, that's where you are right now. Is be, be faithful where you are. Find a, let me tell you something. You heard that term, the cream rises to the top. The Lord knows how to get somebody's attention when it is your time. Trust me. A lot of people want to be recognized before they paid the price. Okay, that mean time? I mean, I mean, y'all, different times the Lord had a word for somebody and they were up at the front. I remember, never forget when I had a word for Marlon. I didn't even know if he was at church. The boy was an usher. He was serving way up front in the dark, up at the glass doors. I said, where's Marlon? The Lord gave me a word and it was an answer to his prayer. The Lord knows your name. It, it is better for the Lord to know your name than the pastor. The pastor knowing your name means nothing. He ain't qualified to do nothing but teach. And he barely getting by with that tell people all of the time because you got these pastors they test people now you're just supposed to, you're supposed to watch people improve them and let them grow I don't, I'm not qualified to test people I don't know what the criteria is I can't see your heart I cannot test you and I don't even know what's in your heart <laughs> but I'm qualified to test you if I'm building my kingdom <laughs> yeah I see we're going to get in trouble in the future I see that right now Proverbs 26. <laughs> Many a man proclaims his own loving kindness and goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It's a whole bunch of people talking. Faithful. Your faithfulness does not count until you are tempted to be unfaithful. Your faithfulness does not count until you don't feel like doing it. Your faithfulness does not count until, yeah, I am supposed to pray, but I don't feel like doing it, but I'll pray anyway. Okay, whatever you're doing, whether it be the prayer, if you're on the prayer call, you, you only pray once a week for 15 minutes. Don't be finding every excuse not to pray. If you usher, don't, you know what I'm saying? Just do, yuck, y'all. You don't do this to, well, some people are actually crazy enough to do this to an employer. Serve, recognize that what you do counts. And when you fall off, somebody else sometimes who's more faithful has to step in. And it is the faithful ones. The more faithful you are, the more you get used. There's a guy in Philippians. Is it Epaphroditus? And, and, and we're going to go five minutes after the 905. He, he, said, he said, this guy is coming to visit you. Hold him in high regard because he got sick. He said, and he got sick because he was trying to supply your lack of service. Y'all wouldn't serve. So he started trying to make up all the difference of what everybody else got to do. And the dude wore himself ragged and ended up in the hospital. And then listen to what Paul said. He said, but the Lord had mercy on him because he was still out of order. Mm 
just because it's a problem don't mean you're supposed to solve it. Luke twenty two twenty eight, You are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Continued. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed unto me. You must continually continue past all of your temptations to quit in order to be appointed a kingdom. I mean, you felt like quitting sometime. And, and, but a soldier can't quit. You got to fight till you die. If I quit, I mess up a whole bunch of people. If I quit now, I mess up about, right now, if I quit and I go rogue, I mess up about eight to 10,000 people. That's why the Lord tests you in phases. Tests you in phases. There's only one man we gave everything up front, and he tore it all up over one tree. So you think the Lord is going to trust you nilly-willy when it comes to multitudes of people, and he couldn't trust a man with a tree? I'm good. I'm only gonna be. Five, I'm gonna only be five minutes over. I'm proud of myself today. You know, I was like, me too, me too, because it was getting <laughs> off track. Exodus 23, 29 through 30. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beast of the field multiply against you. By little and little, I will drive them out from before you until you be increased and inherit the land. When it comes to ministry, God does it little by little by little. God is not in a rush. You in a rush. It's funny. The stuff that God is in a rush to do, we slow with. And the stuff that he want to take his time with, we want to be in a rush. With God, it's little by little by little. Because you want to go to the top, but if I take you there overnight, I may not be able to trust you to stay there. Because I did that with Adam. And he messed up everything. And we gave him everything up front. The most beautiful woman, full prosperity and full power. And the man couldn't leave one tree alone. And he wasn't deceived. The Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. He was watching his wife do this to determine if what God's word said was true, well, he said that if we eat it, we're going to die. So let me see if it works on my wife. That's the only reason why Adam ate the fruit. Because when his wife ate, nothing changed. Nothing changed. So he got, so he said, well, maybe what Satan said is true. So he ate it. And that's when it happened because he didn't realize that the authority and the seed lied with him, not with her. Watch this. This is going to sound crazy. I don't know how this would happen. Eve messed up. Yo, you know, ooh, that's, that's a, I don't want to go there. That's a deeper teaching. If Eve messes up alone, the sin enters into the planet. No, it does not. Wow. John, what'd you say, Violet? She was not given the order to take care of Thank you. Man, if Eve messes up, sin did not enter into the planet. The question is, what would have God done with Eve? Well, he just destroyed her. I don't know. Sin entered the planet because of Adam, not because of Eve. See, it's these type of things that you have to learn about ministry and about your calling. This is serious business. This is warfare, not play fair. The church is playing, having church services and social clubs and look at us. And, and trust me, I'm into all of that. I like all of that stuff. That stuff is cool. It's exciting. It just ain't going to make impact. You'll know the impact you made by what you say, what they say at your funeral. 
but it's little by little by little. This is what the Lord said to someone. When I take you little by little, I'm not moving slow. I'm actually keeping you safe from the things that happen when you move too fast. Every story of greatness must pass through this phase of little by little by little by little. Through this process, giants are made and you are one of them. Bishop David Oyedepo. <clears throat> okay, so, so we're going to cut it off there. It's 905, 904. You'll read this last scripture. This is what you should be doing. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Okay, uh, so I'm going to leave you with this kind of homework assignment. Um, if you don't have this book, you need to try to get it in pursuit of vision. Okay. Um, I can't afford it. Yes, you can. Anything you can't afford today, you can afford next week if you focus on it. It's the first law of faith. I'm not buying books for everybody that's believed to call the ministry. You've got to learn how to exercise your faith. If it's important, anything that's important to you, oh, you'll find a way to get it. Even if you have somebody else. You got $10? For what? I need to get this book. Remember that lady at the church we were going to? And I was in the bookstore. That girl, how much money did that girl get out of me? It's like $300. On my American Express card. Well, right in the bookstore. I don't even have to know this girl. She's still right next to me. This is what she said. Because we had a, this special speaker named Tim Story, and he had this packet of evangelism, how to walk in power. We're standing there. I'm just looking at the stuff. She's looking at the stuff. She looked at me. Psh! She said, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So I'm asking you to buy this for me. That's <laughs> how she did it. No, no prep up, no appetizer, no warm up. Just bam, the Bible says this. So I'm asking, you going to do it? Next thing you know, my American Express is on the counter. I didn't even know what had happened until she gave the card. It's like, what is? Boldness. Okay? So, so that's your assignment. Mm -hmm. Huh? In the morning? Yeah. Oh, okay. Scratch the business meeting. My wife said that's my son's graduation, so I can't do that one. We'll pick another date for that. Yeah, I can't be up in here. That'd be messed up. <laughs> then wonder why he on Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> so get that book. This is where you start. Everyone needs to read that book. It's going to answer so many questions. My job is to not try to get you to listen to me. My job is to pull every tool in the planet that I know of to get you what you need. That means you will be forced to listen to other men. I'm not an expert, as Bishop Oedipo says, one of the men with the largest churches in the world. He said, y'all think I'm big? He said, I just got a little bit. And he said, my little bit with your little bit and your little bit just ends up being a whole lot of little bit. Humility. So that's where you start. You must be serious about this because you will have to answer to God for it. That book and those covenant prayers on the front of our website, Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. You praying those prayers. This is a uh, you need to, and you need to focus on it every single day. Same way that I have a project where I might be pulling a certain amount of weeds out of my grass every day. Same way that you might have a goal and you work out at the gym every single day and the goals just keep coming little by little by little. It's the same way that you should be working on your calling and your destiny a little bit every single day, every single day, every single day. You are in your calling now, even if you're not in it, because you're on that road. 
So when you're praying for your destiny, you're still in it. When you're studying it, you're still being prepared for it. If the Lord comes back tomorrow, you still get a reward because you are already on that path. Okay? So that's where you start. That's where you start. Take it seriously. So begin to pray. Say, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to start? The Lord told me, start as an usher. Okay? Because that was the ministry of helps. I was in the ministry. That's where I started. We have a lot of platforms now. We're going to be starting a healing technician school if you're interested in that. Okay? I think the Lord is leading me toward that. Well, then we'll send you over there. You know, if it is a prophetic, prophet, prophesy, gift of prophecy, Lisa's going to be doing that along with Devon. We'll head you over there. Come to inner healing and deliverance. You cannot go into inner healing and deliverance unless you know you are called. That's a very dangerous area to be fooling with. There's nothing to be scared of, but, but um, you have to make sure that you're called or you feel a leading. And we just throwing up in there. Let's see if you try this, if you like it. No, no, we don't need you trying this if you like it. You know, it's, uh, you know, some of y'all we hear, you know, when that thing, you know, I mean, they, they begin to know you. You know, that was alarming for that thing to call me out by my name. Some of y'all were here when we did it in front of the congregation. You know, call me out by name. Otha, Otha. Didn't call me by my title. They don't recognize title. They recognize names. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. And to show the equality would put Paul's name first. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? I don't know who you are. We recognize names, not titles. Because we were taught to respect names. And we were taught to respect the ultimate name, which is Jesus. Not even Christ, which is his title. Christ means the anointed one. It's not his last name. We talk respect names. Hey, I can get off track in a second, can I? <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and stand. I mean, you know we're going someplace. Y'all can see why the devil has worked overtime in order to stop this. It's real easy to take out you know, the head of the herd if he's the only one that all the power is in. Becomes real difficult when everybody is the herd. Okay. So take this seriously. This is the opening one. I hope you were blessed. This is the opening one to get you started. It'll take a few of these of me reworking everything out of your mind. This was just a foundation one to show you all of you all have a calling already. There's some of you that used to be in ministry and you think that God has left you wrong. He has not left you. It's particularly for you all that might be older. You may feel you have a call of ministry, particularly pulpit or itinerant, things like that. Age doesn't have to do anything. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Don't get involved into this trap by thinking you can't minister to the younger people out here because of your age. That was my greatest fear. That's a big thing out here now. Well, you know, you can't minister to the young people. You don't minister to young people being relevant. You minister to the young people by walking in power. Okay. The ministries that are locking the planet down, the young and the old are all together alike. More and more, as you see now, more younger people are joining the church. God does not call anything just for the older people, just for the younger people, just for the middle age. That's called clicks. When God is in something, everybody is used. When God is in something, 16-year-old will be teaching 80-year-olds, and 80-year-olds will be running a youth church when God is in something. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so we'll start there. We'll do the second one. So that'll be your homework assignment. Start praying, looking for where the Lord wants you to serve. This thing is going to move very, very fast. And, uh, um, and then uh, getting that book, the book will answer so many questions. How many of you have read the book already? Okay, you already know. That's an amazing book. It answers so many things. So we're going to speed this up. So let's lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this session. Thank you, O Lord God, for those who have heard it. Help us, uh, help us to apply it. 
I declare over them, O Lord God, that even though there are many that are called, few that are chosen. Thank you, O Lord God, that this in this room, O Lord God, represents those that will be chosen. Thank you, O Lord God, that they will make it. They will not be sidetracked. Thank you, O Lord God, that there is no mistake or anything that they have done in the past that prevents them from being used in the future. Pray, O Lord God, that you would light the fire of purpose and destiny on the inside of them. Show them, O Lord God, that they are valuable no matter where they are. No matter what they are doing, they are valuable and that you need them. You are giving us a chance, O Lord God, and we thank you that that chance will not go by. Thank you, O Lord God, for what you are doing. Seal this. I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will. Thank you, O Lord God, for preparing us because you said that you are looking for a people through whom you can show yourself strong. So we declare that we are that people on today. We are strong. We are not weak. Thank you, O Lord God, for what you are doing in our lives. We bless you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. So this is what we're going to do. What time is it?